Before we get started, a quick message on how to protect your family. We all know the next big one is coming. They're masking everybody up and they just approved the new vaccines, testing them only on 20 mice. Yes, it's a joke, literally. The medical establishment is not to be trusted until things change. So how do you protect your family? If you go to twc.health forward slash CDM, you can see their new emergency medical kit. It has a group of medications that will protect your family in most emergencies medically. Anything from a tick bite to the new COVID to bubonic plague and other things like that. So go to twc.health forward slash CDM, use promo code CDM, and you'll get a 10% discount. The kit basically covers one adult, so you may need to buy more. twc.health forward slash CDM. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is our Globalist and Plain Sight show. And today we are honored to have the courageous attorney Bobby Ann Cox and New York State Senator George Borrello with us. Welcome to the show, guys. It's good to be on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming back, because I know, you know, Bobby, you and I have, and uh, George, you've spoken and I've interviewed you before about a year ago when this case was developing. Let's start with, because I want people to understand, and the reason why we're doing this on our Globalist show is because quarantine, health quarantines is on the plate. And it, everybody knows of New York, the state of New York around the world. And Bobby Ann, you came to the realization that there was a health quarantine regulation on the books in New York. And at that point in time, you put together a, a, strat, a legal strategy to challenge this in the courts. You took it to court. You got into court. There was a lot of shenanigans going on before you got your hearing in the state court uh, last year. And then you got a ruling on July 22nd, as I recollect, in 2022, where the judge said this is unconstitutional and it is uh, lacking in due process. So you have appealed it, it's in appeal. You had a, a terrific uh, argument before the court just a, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And Senator, you were there and you both held a press conference afterwards. Let's get into the meat of this thing because Bobby, people have to understand how this came about and what they should look for in their provinces, whether they're in Australia, whether they're in a Western European country, whether they're in Canada. I mean, people need to, to understand there is going to be a second wave of political shenanigans over healthcare because we know what's going on with the World Health Organization. And we know that there are countries and world leaders that want to turn over their health sovereignty to the world uh, health organization, which impacts, I guess, quarantine laws. I mean, one's going to have to supersede the other. So tell us about, let's start with the New York law, New York regulation, I should say. Right. So it was what we sued over and what we defeated successfully and what the attorney general and the governor are now appealing was actually a, a regulation or a rule which came through the Department of Health. So this did not come from our New York state legislature. Um, it came from agency bureaucrats 
And um, that's why we sued, because the whole premise of the lawsuit is an agency like the Department of Health, even the governor herself, they do not have this power. They cannot make a regulation like this. The regulation conflicts with our longstanding quarantine law, which we've had since 1953, uh, which is full of due process protections. Um, but this regulation, this rule was void of any sort of due process, conflicts with our law, conflicts with our constitution, wrong branch of government. Um, and, and that's why we sued and, and it did get struck down. Um, and now we're fighting on appeal because the governor wants to overturn that lower court decision and get this power back. So this it's pure separation of powers. Uh, and this is this is why we won. This is why we continue to fight it. Senator, let's get back into the history of this, because there was a person who was part of the New York State Assembly who introduced a health quarantine uh, piece of legislation. My understanding was every year since every session since 2015, there were no Democrats, no Republicans that were your colleagues in, in the State Assembly who supported it. And yet when COVID happened and <clears throat> the former governor of New York, Cuomo, was given all this power during COVID, all of a sudden this regulation um, was on the books. Now, you were a party to the case. And, and talk about why you decided to throw your hat in the ring on this. Well, first and foremost, uh, you know, way back when, at the beginning, March of 2020, uh, you know, no one really knew what the, uh, you know, what the COVID-19 pandemic was going to look like. You know, they didn't know if it was going to be very deadly and there were all kinds of you know, fear mongering going on. So, you know, the legislature, uh, you know, quite frankly, very readily, very happily ceded all of its authority to the governor. Now, granted, in an emergency situation, this is why you have an executive to handle things that are supposed to happen on a dime. But then, you know, two years later, and the governor still wouldn't, you know, relinquish those, uh, you know, those emergency powers and kept renewing them and kept expanding where he could use them. And, and on top of the fact that I voted no on those emergency powers from day one because they were far too expansive. They gave him ultimate authority, became a dictator. And we saw how that turned out. You know, you had him ordering COVID positive patients into nursing homes, right. uh, even though the nursing home said don't do it. And it was a disaster. Uh, you know, thousands and thousands of our seniors lost their lives because of that bad decision, which, you know, he made and refused to, uh, you know, to rescind. Uh, so now fast forward to Kathy Hochul. And, uh, you know, she took that piece of legislation, Assembly Bill A416, uh, which, as you mentioned, was uh, was an orphan. It never had a single co-sponsor. It never had matching legislation in the New York State Senate because in New York we have a you know bicameral uh, you know legislature, so it has to require legislation in both houses, the Senate and the Assembly. And um, it never saw a light of day on a, uh, even on a committee meeting. So you take that, and then you know the Department of Health under Kathy Hochul did a copy and paste of that bill removed whatever minor due process was in that bill and made it into Department of Health regulation. And that was, as Bobby Ann explained, that was the basis of our separation of powers lawsuit. Uh, so the history is, is that um, when you give someone power, they don't want to give it back. And when you give one person absolute power, as we all know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's what happened. Uh, and with in the case of, of, of Andrew Cuomo, and then continued on, actually ramped up 
uh, under Kathy Hochul. And that's where we are right now. And, uh, you know, Judge Plotz, who struck this down in a 14-page decision, not only did he address the separation of powers, which is the basis for the lawsuit, but he also went on to, to really just absolutely trash them for destroying uh, individual liberty, for creating a, 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 regulation, a regulation that was illegal because it conflicted with the current law. And he went on and on and on. The, the lack of due process, um, which, you know, again, Bobby Ann did an excellent job in the initial argument talking about how they're, you know, the, how do you get out if you're, if you're into quarantine? But, you know, the, the, the reality is this. I think we all know that, um, you know, a little bit of fear and a lot of propaganda would get a lot of people to do things and relinquish their liberties pretty readily. We saw that in the pandemic. Um, and uh, <clears throat> this now brings it to a new level because there doesn't need to be a state of emergency. There doesn't need to be any proof that you're sick or, or any proof that you've actually been exposed to something. And, and if you look at the list, the long laundry list of diseases that are on the list of things that they could quarantine you for against your will, uh, there many of them are not even communicable diseases. My God, they've got food poisoning on there, which is might, it might be you know uh, a, a bad disease, but it's not communicable. So that is really the, the egregiousness of this, the, the, the absolute arrogance uh, of our governor and the Department of Health that you could, for, for no reason, at the drop of a hat, you could lose all your liberty with no way to get out of it. Let's talk about the, the legal argument. I, I, you know, <clears throat> there's, there's an art to arguing before a court. And, and Bobby, when you had the appeal argument, what was... What was the thrust of what the government was trying to push? Um, well, yeah, yeah. I, I can't go into too much detail on an analysis basis just because it's it's pending litigation. We haven't received a decision yet. But I can say that if people want to watch um, the actual oral arguments, they are recorded. Um, they You can find them either on the 4th Department Appellate Division website um, for September 13th, which was our date, or you can find it um, on my website, which is coxlawyers.com or unitingnys.com. Um, my Substack, I have the link in my Substack, um, which is substack.com. And you can just put my name in, Bobby Ann Cox. But um, I will say that, you know, people came up to me afterwards, have reached out since then. They, they felt like the state's argument was confusing. They weren't really clear what the state was arguing. Um, my argument was pretty straightforward. Um, I, I briefed it very thoroughly before that. We had gone back and forth in the court um, in the months leading up to the oral arguments with our briefs. And so uh, the judges were ready. They were prepared. They were informed. They asked pointed questions of both myself and the attorney general. So um, I think it was a, a clear indication that the judges were engaged and understood uh, the issues at hand. Um, the, the turnout in the courthouse was fabulous. I was shocked. There were 400 people that showed up to watch oral arguments, which... And they gave you a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. I was a little nervous because I didn't think the judges would like that, but <laughs> uh, they did. It was it was very kind um, that they did that. I, I just, I picked up my pace a little bit to get out of the room as quickly as possible because I'm I, you know, that doesn't happen in real life. That happens like in movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, you know, normally courts are very quiet and there's a lot of order and, um, 
usually they're very empty. So I think the judges um, perhaps didn't like the standing ovation, but it was very kind of people. I was very glad people came. I think it sends a message that, you know, they felt like it was their case and they felt like it was their voice that was being heard. Um, and there were a lot of members of Uniting New York State that showed up. It's another plaintiff in the lawsuit um, together with Assemblyman um, Chris Teague and Mike Lawler, um, who was an assemblyman when we started this case, and now he's a congressman. Um, so there were a lot of members of Uniting New York State which, but that came to show support, which was wonderful. Um, but yeah, we, we are just praying that this court will uphold the decision of the lower court. You know, during, during the um, election last year, you got the decision in July, Bobby, then the attorney general and the governor at the time who were up for election in November, they filed a piece of paper, just the notice of appeal in August. And we didn't think at the time that they were going to go through the machinations of f actually filing the appeal because of the upcoming election. And uh, Zeldin was running against the, the governor at the time. He didn't want it to be part of part of the campaign because he, his people didn't believe that the public would believe it at the time. All right. Which I found to be kind of, a, I mean, kind of crazy. I, I think when I learned that, because it's a piece of paper, it's an order. This is in court. This is a lawsuit that's going on. But now all of a sudden Zeldin has come in he's praising your work and your argument before, before the court two weeks ago. But I want to talk about, what is happening in terms of raising the issue and elevating it in New York with New Yorkers? Because this affects everybody. Are you seeing that? In the, I know that the, the legacy media that I was part of for decades is not coming forth. They're not asking questions. But what about the public? Are they responding to you? I mean, 400 people that showed up, that could be organized and that's great. But what about the common people on the street, Bobby? Uh, most people don't know about it um, that that I meet. I have been speaking out about this regulation and our lawsuit since pretty much since we filed um, back in the spring of 2020. I've gone all over New York State giving lectures about it and um, trying to raise awareness. But most people um, are unaware of it. And I, I'm probably Senator Borrello can speak to it more because he does a lot of town halls and such um, as you know, an elected representative in state government. But from where, from where I'm sitting, most New Yorkers don't know about it. Senator, what about you and your colleagues and, and out, on the, out on the campaign trail and talking to people in town halls? Well, I, I would have to agree. I will say after this appeal, um, and we did get some, you know, uh, coverage from local media, uh, you know, Buffalo, Rochester, uh, you know, radio, TV, um, that uh, there's definitely a, a better awareness than there was prior to the, uh, you know, the oral argument of the appeal, but still not enough people know what's going on. And uh, uh, I will add to that, that, you know, look, when you are a, a conservative fighting for liberty, you know, uh, you know, the mainstream media is going to be against you, right? Uh, uh, the AP did a hack piece trying to uh, discredit uh, our, uh, they did a fact check, well, uh, a fact check. This a fact uh, check by a 16 year old that has no yeah. legal background. Right? Well, it was a fact check by a liberal reporter that had an agenda who was, I'm convinced, sent on a mission by the governor's people 
to try to discredit this. Uh, and um, she had a very narrow focus, you know, that she, she tried to dis discredit the whole case and in the, the constitutional constitutionality of the case based on the fact that, you know, the governor is not building quarantine camps. Well, you know, that's just ridiculous. And why have a quarantine law? Yeah, yeah. Why have a quarantine regulation? Why not just cancel it now that the Emergency Use Act has been canceled as of May 11th? What's yeah. the point? Well, the, the, you know, and the issue is you don't have to build anything. Uh, you know, they have the power to commandeer uh, any facility. I will tell you that during the, uh, during the pandemic, you know, there's a closed hospital in my district that was, you know, they were site visits were done by state engineers to see if they could convert it to a, uh, a COVID hospital uh, and what it would take. So, you know, you could commandeer. We have closed prisons in New York State, uh, many of them that could be turned into quarantine camps. Uh, you know, call it what you want. But again, her uh, the purpose of this AP reporter, this hit piece was to somehow try to discredit it. And then that gave fuel to because the only other alternative we have uh, without the mainstream media is alternative media and social media. So that gave rise to social media now banning uh, any any uh, uh, any posts that include, you know, the word quarantine, uh, because, uh, you know, and that's happening now. All of a sudden, uh, you know, when we when I do a post, you know, we, we were on another show yesterday. I did a post to promote it and nothing. A handful of people responded. You know, uh, typically my posts get hundreds of responses. So, you know, it, it shows you that social media is certainly, you know, they are act, you know, they are they are the Orwellian future that uh, George Orwell predicted in 1984. Instead of the government, it's big tech, it's social media. And uh, and they are in, in cahoots with the uh, uh, with the goal, the globalists, because they have their agenda and, and uh, there's no doubt about it. And we're seeing that out you know, that, that now. So they, there's they, they definitely seem to be. Um, threatened by this. They recognize the fact that there's more attention drawn to this. I think the, the hundreds of people that showed up uh, on the uh, for the oral argument sent a message that people are waking up to what's going on. And now they're, you know, they're trying to, uh, you know, control the narrative. Do you, what are the ramifications if this stands <clears throat> and then you, you if, if you lose on, on this oral argument, Bobby, and then it, you can appeal it to the appeals court, which is the highest court in New York. But they have the right to refuse to hear it the same way that the U.S. Supreme Court has the right to refuse to hear certain cases. If that happens, what does that mean to New Yorkers? So if it's overturned and uh, a higher appeal is not in the, in the works, if it's not going to happen, then that means that this court, this appellate division had the final say. And if they overturn the lower court decision, it means that rule 2.13 will come back into play. So it, it will not only result in that horrific regulation coming back to life, um, but it will also send a clear signal to the Department of Health and other departments, um, probably not just in New York, probably in other states as well. The signal is, hey guys, you can make any kind of regulation you want no problem if it conflicts with existing laws. No problem if it conflicts with the Constitution. Don't worry about it because look at this case. They got away with it here. So you know what? You can probably get away with it with where, wherever you want to try it. You know, it's going to just send a really bad sign, a really bad message to agencies. Remember, agencies are elected bureaucrats. They're appointed. The, the commissioner of health is appointed by the governor. So you cannot vote those people in and out. So if they make a horrendous regulation like this, you do not have recourse. You do not have recourse. 
unless you sue, which we did, and you get it struck down, which we did, but you know, the governor and the attorney general are trying to get the power back. So it's it's going to be devastating if they overturn this decision, I have to I have to say. So let's bring it down to the kitchen table because everybody everybody that's listening is not a is not a lawyer nor an elected official. What does it mean on a daily basis if the, if if they say that this regulation is constitutional and has enough meat on the bones for due process? What does that ha- what does that mean to the people of New York? Senator, you want to take that? Or Bobby doesn't. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to address that. Here's what it means. You know, go back to the pandemic when um, the governor essentially created a bunch of little dictators around the state, a bunch of little low level bureaucrats that he empowered to enforce his edicts, his his laws. You know, I heard stories about, uh, you know, uh, local code enforcement officers that showed up because, uh, you know, someone who was a landscaper. Landscapers were allowed to put down, uh, you know, fertilizer, and, and but they couldn't plant plants. Right. And I heard stories of people being shut down, small businesses being shut down by some low-level bureaucrat, uh, by uh, because they were given the power by Andrew Cuomo to do so, uh, fining them for you know planting flowers instead of just you know putting down fertilizer, things like that. Well, they and were they were also closing um, car washes. Yes. I mean, you know, so so you had all of these little dictators, millions of them that were created uh, across this country and across you know, that, that, that were empowered by that. So now what does this mean right now? Well, you know, and I realize that this is the, the State Department of Health. And the, but the reality is you could have a local health official and, I'll, and I will paint a scenario for you. Let's say, you know, um, your son is dating uh, a, a girl and uh, in high school, and uh, the father of the girl doesn't like your son, and he happens to be a local health official. He could walk up to your door under this, you know, 2.13 Department of Health, knock on the door and say, I believe your son has been exposed to botulism, and I'm taking him, and I'm here with the police to take him from your home. And, and where are you taking my son? I'll let you know. When will I see him again? I'll let you know. That's the type of power that this regulation gives, uh, and that's what people should be concerned about. The fact that this gives essentially unlimited power to bureaucrats to now take the for the force of law enforcement to show up at your door with no proof, with no you've violated no law. There is no state of emergency. There's no proof that you have any disease or you've exp- been exposed to any disease. No proof required. That's the that's the the type of of uh, uh, totalitarian dictatorship. That will be allowed. And that's not an exaggeration. This regulation will allow that to happen. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. So we're living in an age of bullying. We're living in an age of an extreme increase of narcissism, extreme hate, extreme censorship. 
uh, you know, whether they call it disinformation, misinformation or malinformation, even if it's true, they don't want to post it. So the question that arises is, can people foresee how this can be abused in an instance, you know, an example that you just gave, Senator? I mean, where, do, where does this go and how do we wake people up to this? Because the, the next question I have is, if a son is pulled out of a house and taken someplace and you don't know about it, you know, I remember that during the one of the hearings before you got to the oral arguments, one of the prior hearings, the judge asked the government attorney, so if a person finds themselves in this situation, what do they do? And arrogantly, the government attorney working for the governor and the attorney general of New York snarkily said to the court, well, shrugging the shoulders, I guess would have to hire the person would have to hire an attorney. So the onus is on the public to figure out how to get out of it. And the question is, well, who pays for who pays for that son staying wherever? Is it the taxpayer? Is it the parents? You know, do the parents have enough money to hire an attorney? I, I mean, this this is this is so off the mark of civilized society because it's taking it's basically telling somebody if you don't follow my rules and regulations, your behavior doesn't mirror the narrative then we're going to disrupt your lives even further than calling you names or censoring you on social media. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is without a doubt, you know, George Orwell's uh, 1984 coming to life uh, in our, in our present society. Um, but, you know, to add even, even more to what you're saying, you know, you know, the question is, how do you get out? Well, Here's the even bigger irony. Under one party rule in New York state, we've watched the Democrats that have set criminals free with the revolving door, you know, cashless bail. Um, you know, you could commit a heinous, violent crime and be released with an appearance ticket like it was a parking violation. Right. So now, you know, you, you, you've got uh, someone who commits an assault on another person who is released with an appearance ticket. Uh, free to go out and, and commit more crimes, thanks to the, the Democrats' one-party rule here in New York State. Uh, and then, on the other hand, you've got someone who we've had no proof uh, that, that they have had any kind of, they, they've, they've committed any crime, that they've broken any law, that they're any kind of a threat to, to society that can be held against their will. That's the world we live in right now uh, you know, under progressive Democrat rule here in New York State. And this is the case across the country in so many blue states especially. And then on top of that, you ask, what happens? What happens uh, to that person who is now in some kind of a quarantine lockup, um, who's not an afforded an attorney? Uh, the answer is they'd have to pay for themselves. And that's if they could actually get someone to defend them. Meanwhile, the someone, the person, the, the criminal, the career criminal that's committed this assault is given all kinds of free legal services, the, you know, the public defender, everything else. They, 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 are, they are surrounded uh, and supported uh, with taxpayer dollars for someone who is a, uh, who's committed heinous crimes. Meanwhile, someone who's done nothing and has been proved, there's been no proof has, has any kind of a threat, gets nothing. That is the New York state that we live in. So last night they had the Republican debate. <clears throat> I've watched the debates in you know, the one in August and last night. And the, the thing that I find amazing is that quarantine health laws, regulations, is not even part of the conversation. WHO is not part of the conversation. 
What is a law like this do, Bobby? I mean, is there a correlation between if this stands, if this law, if this law stands that the governor and the attorney general want, if the law stands, what happens with the with the World Health Organization if Biden successfully turns over the health sovereignty through the international health regulation amendments when it comes to a vote? Well, it's, it's not going to matter at that point, Christine, because the, the regulation that we got struck down, if it gets reinstated, <laughs> the Department of Health in New York State is going to have all the power they want whenever they want, doesn't need to be an emergency, writing uh, regulate, writing uh, orders of isolation or quarantine to whoever they want for whatever reason, and, and commanding you either stay in your house or go to a facility that they choose for however long they want with no proof that you're sick. I mean, it's the reg itself is, is a disgrace. So it doesn't really matter what anybody else comes in and do. You couldn't have crafted a worse regulation than that one. There's not a shred of due process in that regulation. And for anybody that's not sure what due process means, it, it's built into our, our constitution, whether you're talking about federal or state, says that you have to have due process in your laws and, and, and thereby your regulations and your rules and whatever. And due process means that they're protections that are built in automatically so that the government can't overstep and abuse its citizens. So for example, due process would mean you get notice before somebody knocks on your door and says, come with me because you're a health threat, right? You get notice, you get the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one is appointed to you before you're locked up, not after, right? Those are due process protections. That regulation that they made is void of due process. In fact, the lower court judge last year said the regulation gives lip service to constitutional due process. So, you know, it doesn't matter what any any higher, quote unquote, higher authority does. If that reg's back in play, forget it. You lost your rights. No more rights. They don't even have to prove you're sick. It's, it's, it, it really, it gets me upset as an attorney, also just as a citizen of this country, but as an attorney, it really makes your any attorney read the reg, it'll make your mind explode. Literally, it, it's it's horrible. Unbridled power. It's it's basically declaring a monarchy because that regulation gives the power to the commissioner of health or whoever the commissioner appoints to be the lawmaker, meaning they made up the rule, which conflicts with our law. So now they're the lawmaker and they're the law enforcer which technically is their job in, in that branch of government. The executive is supposed to enforce the laws. And then they're also going to be the judicial branch because our law says that a judge gets to preside over a hearing and determine if somebody is a public health threat because they're sick and they won't comport themselves in a proper manner to safeguard others. A judge gets to decide that, not in the regulation. In the regulation, it's an ex parte order without a hearing issued by the commissioner of health. So now you've got the three branches of government stuck in this regulation, and that is tyranny. That is the that is the cleanest, purest definition of tyranny right there. So let's all pray that the, this court does not overturn the lower court's decision. That rule is horrendous. I've never read anything more horrendous in my life. You know, what's interesting to me is we're, when we talk about the weaponization of government, <clears throat> which clearly it, it, many people, and it shows up as a topic Americans are concerned about. 
we have seen people go before school boards and all of a sudden, you know, DOJ comes out and says they're domestic terrorists. We see in some states parents who raise questions, whether it's CRT, the sexualization of their kids, the, 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 the pornography, the cartoon pornography, but it's still pornography uh, in, in the school books, you know, being given to kindergartners, gender conversations that the parents object to. Um, pushing um, trans drugs on kids and the medical community lying about whether or not the puberty blockers can be reversed, which they can't be. Uh, so the the question is, and we see we see parents being uh, having um, criminal complaints filed against them. There's the one case that we're following very closely in Connecticut, and I'm I'm wondering why. What is it that we're all missing in society here in the United States that people have not gotten their heads out of cement. Because if you really just look at the landscape and go around in a circle, things are changing. So what needs to be done? Because Senator, when we talked before I, I hit the record button, we were talking about how many people are talking about this in the state assembly. You're saying the Republicans are talking about it. What's wrong with the Democrats? The Democrats, you know, were not always tyrannists. They used to fight for freedom. They were the social justice people. They were the anti-war people in the 60s. I mean, what happened here to these people who are, you know, your colleagues in the state assembly? It seems to me at this point in time, if they rejected it when it was when the I guess he's now the ambassador to Jamaica. Is that where he is now? The man that kept on introducing this for years and years and years. And then Biden gave him a, a I guess gave him an award for going, put him as ambassador to Jamaica when he came in in 2021. But why is it that the Democrats aren't speaking out about this now that Bobby has and you have taken this case so far? Well, because they uh, they obviously look at it as having too much to lose. You know, I, I would love to think that, you know, that being an elected official is about doing the right thing for your constituents and the right thing for everyone you represent. But it's really about, uh, you know, uh, whatever pork barrel money you bring to your district. And that could be threatened if you speak out against uh, the regime. Uh, and, and that's really what's going on, uh, to be quite honest with you. Also, you know, look, I come from a family of Democrats. You know, my, my, I come from a working class, blue collar family. And the Democratic Party was the party of the working class. And as you said, the Democratic Party uh, was, the, was the, the party of individual rights and freedoms. Uh, no longer. They are now uh, the tyrannists. They are the ones uh, that want to push us towards a, a totalitarian you know, dictatorship under the guise of socialism and making everyone equal. Uh, it is, look at how they have, you know, they, they have changed the narrative, you know, our, our founding fathers, they weren't those looking to escape oppression and tyranny and, and, uh, but no, now they were just racists who were trying to keep slavery alive. That's the whole, that's the whole reason that our constitution was written. This is, this is the kind of revisionist history and the trashing, uh, of the, uh, of the American dream and, and of the, the liberty that, that we enjoy here that, that, uh, is their narrative now. It is the narrative of the Democratic Party, that America is not great, we were never great, <clears throat> and uh, along with that is the whole idea that if you resist this, if you push back against the regime, uh, that you will be punished. And, and that's why my Democrat colleagues, in the, for the most part, can't speak out, because uh, you know, they have uh, what they think is a lot to lose. But you know what? <clears throat> the table scraps that fall from the table uh, you know, uh, is not enough to justify uh, that 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 silence. 
No, it, it, it shows that people are coward. So let's talk about um, the media response, Bobby, to your success. Well, it's not, I can't call it a successful oral argument, but certainly you were praised for it. Are, are, the, are the legacy media reaching out to you in New York? No, 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 no. <laughs> There's no legacy media. It's it's all, you know, just alternative media, um, local radio shows are, you know, contacting us or um, podcasters or, um, you know, I, I did an interview with, um, you know, NTD or we both did an interview with NTD News right after um, the court appearance two weeks ago. Um, you know, the OAN News um, did an interview, but as far as mainstream media, like, you know, CNN or ABC or NBC or MSNBC, no, none of them. No, they won't even touch it. In fact, there was an article written, I believe it was in this this past spring when um, the AG actually filed the appeal and we started to go at it in court. Um, I'm pretty sure it was it was that time that um, CNN had written an article online about it and someone sent it to me. And now I still have that link. If you go to that link, it has been removed. So, you know, I guess someone there thought it was newsworthy and oh my gosh, check this out. And they wrote an article about it and they ripped it down. So, so some talking points must have come down the ladder to the newsroom yeah, because having worked, I was the political director at CNN in the eighties. I mean, I've worked at, you know, four networks, shame on these guys. They know better. They know better. If it, it if, I mean, that's what just blows my mind. There's a time and place for recognizing that politics is in the newsroom. And, you know, if it's not now, I don't know where it's been because it hasn't always been like this. When I started out, Ted Turner never told me what to do and for political coverage. Nobody ever did. Even the sponsors of Inside um, Politics, they never interfered because I would probably tell them to go to hell. But now everybody capitulates and it's just extraordinary. It's not just Pfizer. It's basically you guys are standing up for freedom. You're standing up so people don't get locked up with, with without you know due process. I mean, this is extraordinary times. What yeah. what can people do? How can they help you, Bobby? I know that you've been doing this pro bono. Um, give us the link so people can donate to you because this this is not over, um, and you may be on your road to even more appeals. But where's how do people help you? Yeah. So if people um, would like to donate, that's fabulous. Um, I, I do have a donate button on my website. It's coxlawyers.com. So it's C-O-X lawyers.com. Um, if you want to get more information about the case, you can either go to coxlawyers.com or you can go to unitingnys.com. Uh, they have a, a large array of everything from photographs to videos to interviews uh, to social media flyers that you can download um, at unitingnys.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm attorney underscore Cox, C-O-X. Um, and you can follow me on Substack. The Substack is really great because um, it has, I wrote one article a week. I push it out. It goes right into your inbox. Um, so that's uh, attorneycox.substack.com. And um if you do that, you know, after you read the article, please share it because a really great way to help me is to help spread the word so that more people understand what's going on and more people will get involved in the fight. 
Senator, how can people help you help those guys in the state assembly? How can are you going to reach out to other politicians in other states to basically say if it happens in New York, it can happen any place? Well, you know, I, I will say this. I think people have to understand that, um, you know, with one party rule in New York state, I don't care if you're a registered Democrat, Republican, not affiliated, whatever it might be. You have watched in a short period of time with one party, you know, controlling everything, the absolute uh, rapid decline of this state. It, and uh, and the problem is, is we have so many people that say, well, you know what, I, I hate what the Democrats are doing, but my guy's OK. Uh, you know, uh, and, and they believe the rhetoric that they hear. And I would just say, you know, be educated, understand that what someone says on social media or in front of a, a camera versus what they do uh, when they take votes in Albany are two different things often. And, and understand that, you know, that, that uh, whether they're telling you, well, look, I got money for the senior center, uh, that that uh, is that worth sacrificing your liberty? Uh, you know, and, and that's really the choice that people have to make. Uh, you know, that that, uh, that that these folks that are throwing some money around to, to provide cover for themselves uh, when they are destroying uh, freedom and democracy uh, and, and individual liberty, is, is that a sacrifice? So if you want to help me, help bring more Republicans to the New York State Senate and Assembly. Help me uh, ensure that we have balance in government, because right now there is no balance. Uh, things are lopsided and, and uh, you know, the, the ship is sinking quickly. Well, CDM is with you guys all the way for this because we stand for freedom and we, we, we stand up against uh, tyrannical, you know, government decisions. I mean, I, I, when I first heard this, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I first heard about this case. I first heard about Bobby Ann Cox. I had a hard time believing that this was actually happening in America. But when I, I interviewed Bobby Ann last year, I interviewed the senator and many of the people that were involved with her case, either as plaintiffs or a part of the amicus brief. And also that great judge from Western New York that helped you, Bobby, bring the case back to the state court when oh, the attorney general about. played some games and said, you, you filed initially in the state court. And they said, no, let's move it to the federal court because it would have taken years and years and years. And then you got you moved it back. So they they put you through the ringer. You're still standing, you're still, you're, and you've got a standing ovation, and we just have to pray that the judges do the right thing and understand that their decision is tantamount to maintaining freedom in the state of New York, and it has a precedent because we know about how religious exemptions um, were nuked in California, then they went, to, or medical, it was it medical or religious exemptions, it went from California to New York, to Maine, to Connecticut. And so there's a pattern and a precedent here for if you get it in one state, they will try to get it in another state. So if, if New York falls, we may see this coming in other states, even though we know that after 9-11, there have been some legislative measures that were taken to create some type of quarantines. But this is pretty phenomenal in terms of the arrogance that Cuomo, the Department of Health, the Attorney General of New York, and now the current governor of New York have taken. And it's a, it's a telltale sign of things to come. So God bless you guys for doing this, you know, and I hope the judges, you know, have their heads screwed on straight because if not, this is gonna, this, is, this will have a trajectory change uh, in the United States and in the definition of freedom. Well, thank you very thank much you for having us on. We appreciate it, Christine. And please come back anytime. And anytime we can help, we're, we're definitely in to support your efforts. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you.